Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I have a mandate. I have a... Um, every so often that sound the alarm message that just kind of awakens something for us. Because the reality is, is that America is filled with Christians. But there's not a lot of Christians in America that are filled. And so the church has become known for what we stand against more than what we stand for. That when the church steps into an issue in society, normally we're not there to solve the problem. We're there to just shout at the problem. And that's not even what the name church means. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. And the ekklesia was a group of influencers. They were the problem solvers in Rome that whenever there was a problem in a community, the Rome, Rome would call their ekklesia. Everyone say ekklesia. He would call their influencers, their ecclesia together to help solve the problem in that community. When Jesus stepped up, he says, I will build my church. Everyone say my church. church. What, What Jesus was saying is that Rome has a church of influencers, but I'm building a group of influencers. Oh, come on, somebody. Every one of you right here is an influencer. You're part of God's ecclesia. You're part of God's called out ones. You're the problem solvers. You're the, you're the influencers. You're the ones that solve problems. You don't create them. Right, TJ? They're the ones that, that solve issues. They don't cause issues. Right, Cisco? Right? They're not the gossipers. They, they use their tongues to heal things, not to destroy them. And so when we everyone say, this is us, as you turn your Bibles with me, I want you quickly to turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians. As you're turning to Ephesians chapter 11, there's a story I heard that I thought was, was funny because uh, I love hearing about dumb criminals, things that criminals do. But there was a story about uh, these, these uh, three thieves that broke into a house in Silver Springs, Florida. True story. And they couldn't believe their luck when they found cocaine at this house. So they took the three containers of cocaine home and they went, went to their house and they, they snorted it. They, they partied and so forth. But it wasn't until then that they realized that they didn't really steal cocaine containers. They had stolen urns. They ended up snorting this poor lady's husband and their two dogs. You see, many of us are filled with a lot of things. We're putting a lot of things into us, but we're not always putting the right thing into us. This morning, I want you to see in in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Now these are the gifts. Everyone say gifts. Christ gave to the church. And so God loves the church so much that he gave gifts to the church. And these are the gifts he gave. The apostle, 
the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So uh, I want you to know this morning that I'm a gift. I'm God's gift to you this morning. Now, now, some of y'all, you know, you go buy something at Christmas time and you always get a gift receipt. I came with no gift receipt. You can't return me. You can find another church. You can go to another ministry. But wherever you walk into, there's going to be a pastor there, an apostle there, a prophet there, an evangelist there, a pastor or a teacher that is God's gift to that community of believers. God has gifted us here at the church for a reason. What's that reason? Verse 12 tells us. Their responsibility is to equip. Another version says to empower. So you, we are here to equip God's people to do his work. Whose work? Not, not my work. The work of the body of Christ isn't my work. It's, it's his work. And to build up the church. Now, who's the church? It's not, not the building. You could have church without a building. You could have church without money. You could have church without a sound system and without a worship team. But you can't have church without people. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So you got to be careful what you're putting into your temple. Because it doesn't belong to you. It's his temple. To do the work, to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Everyone tell, tell your neighbor, change the world. So, last week, Pastor Matt took us into our, our third phase of love God, love people. Now, everyone say, change the world. How do we change the world? This is us. This is who we are as CWC. We, we, we change the world by being an influencer. You cannot change a world or impact a world that you have no influence over. If you are not influential, you cannot impact the world. What am I telling you? Only those that are good at their craft have the ability to influence their sphere of influence. So if you are going to influence the financial sector, you have to be good in the area of finances. Come on, somebody. No one's going to take financial advice from someone living in a cardboard box. Say it again, Pastor. If you are going to try to have influence in the area of family, you can't have your family in disarray. If you're going to have influence, you have to be influential. You have to be good in that area. And I want you to know that's why, Daniel, you have impact in that community when you're dealing with people that are coming out of incarceration because you've handled that area of life. You've come out of that area of life, and you've done a great job in that area of life. That's why, Philip, you've created a great organization that is transforming the Bay Area right now and and the ability to touch lives because you came out of that and now you're dominating that we cannot have influence in an area that we are not good at and God created you to be great not good the problem is we just settle now I want to take you somewhere this morning when we learn to love God and we love people it will equal a changed world When we love God and we love people, those two things alone 
will transform our world. Come on, somebody. The, the golden rule says that to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Yeah. Not, not do unto others before they do unto you. And so we need to be, imagine how our world would change if we started treating people the way we wanted to be treated. Most of our arguments happened because we were disrespected. But what if we were stopped reacting and started responding? What if we started to treat people the way we wanted to be treated when we made a mistake? When we blow it. The golden rule can transform the earth if we have the ability to recognize that's what we have been created for. And I want to take you somewhere on this, okay? That Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 says that those gifts have been given for the equipping. Everyone say equipping. equipping. Okay? Now, that word equipping in the Greek means this. It, it's, a, it's a Greek word that means to mend, to put back together. It could, it could be the mending of a bone. It could be the tying together of a net. It could be, uh, it, it implies the setting of a bone, mending of a net, preparing for usefulness. It's also translated as training or discipleship or discipline. It's perfecting completely, fully functioning. Many of us have been torn. We've been stretched. We've been broken by the things of the world, and we need to be equipped. We need to be empowered. I want you to know, CWC has to be a place of empowering people. Pastor, would you please say that again? CWC has to be a place of empowering people. What, What does that mean? That means that CWC has to be a place where we're putting people back together again, where things that are ripped in your life, where we're mending, that things that are broken, we're putting back together again, that when you got here, your marriage was messed up, when your finances were messed up, your mind was messed up, your spirit was messed up. Some of y'all were tore up from the floor up when you got here, but God put you back together again. He mended you. He, he put you back stitch by stitch. Like, like a mending of a bone. God puts you together. It's like a broken leg that's set once again. It hurts when you break it, but it hurts even more when they set it back in place. How many have ever seen the picture of, of, of a shepherd carrying a sheep on its shoulder? You ever see a picture of that? Usually it's Jesus, and it looks so nice. You're like, oh, how cute. Jesus is carrying a sheep. How How nice. Number one, sheep smell. I can't imagine how funky that is right now. Because you know sheep don't got toilet paper. And they're fuzzy. You work with that, all right? Their their feet are all over up in the ground where other sheep have done their mess. That, that's, that's not a, that looks good, but that's not real practical. But when you see that, you don't recognize that as cute as that looks, what happened before this. You see, every so often in a, in, a, in a flock of sheep, you get that one sheep that just keeps off running off and doing its own thing. And the shepherd has to go look for them and bring them back. And the problem is, is that every time that sheep wanders off, it takes other sheep with them. Because sheep just wander. 
And when that happens, it becomes so much work for the shepherd to keep an eye on that sheep that eventually he will go to that sheep that keeps leading others astray. And he takes the sheep that he loves. And with the rod, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He breaks the leg of that sheep. Following me? No, no, I thought he loved that sheep. He does. That's why he broke its leg. But then after he breaks that leg of the sheep, guess what? That sheep can't run off anymore. But nor can that sheep keep up with the flock. So the shepherd has to set the leg and carry him in order to keep up with the rest of the flock. And that's why some of you are wondering, man, why am I always messed up? Because you keep wandering off and God keep having to, some of y'all have all four broken right now. God's running out of pieces to break in your life because you keep running off and God's trying. It's not just to break your leg. It's to keep you close because when he breaks the leg, all of a sudden that sheep has to stay next to the shepherd to be fed, to be cared for, to be to to be watched over. And then by the time the leg heals and mends, that sheep has gotten so close to the shepherd that now it won't wander off anymore. God didn't break your leg to kill you. He did it to draw you closer. That's what the church is here for. We're here to equip you. We're here to empower you. Everyone say empower. Empower. See, you're healed for service. Many of us that came here broken and we we get put back together. But I want you to see what happens here. And real quickly, Luke chapter 4, verse 38. Jesus comes in after ministering and he goes to to Simon Peter's house. Now, Jesus is just blessed. Peter's business. Peter was a fisherman and he just caught the biggest catch of fish ever. See, when God comes in your life, he's just not trying to save your soul. He wants to bless every aspect of your life. And as a fisherman, they caught so much fish that it was beginning to sink their boat and the boats of other people around them. So if, if they had been a, uh, a printing company, they would have ended up with the biggest printing job they've ever gotten. If they had been insurance salesmen, they would have just hit the mother load of, a, of like a million uh, policies at one time. They, they was just overload. They were sinking in their success. Come on, somebody. Jesus blessed their business. Then he goes to their house, and when they get there, they find that Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick. She, she can't do what she was designed to do. Some of you today are are messed up. You can't do what God designed you to do. And the fever, the the infection that was going on in her debilitated her to the point that she was laying in there. And and so they, they begged Jesus, Jesus, will you help her? Now, how many are grateful for those people in your life that begged Jesus to reach out to you? Oh, come on, somebody. I'm grateful that I have a praying mother. I'm grateful that I had a praying grandmother. There are things that I'm enjoying today, not because I'm good, but because my mom prayed me through. 
My, my mom, I would come, you know, every night I would hear her praying. Every night she would be praying over me. Every, I, I would wake up at night where my mom was standing over my bed and freak the hell out of me. But the reality was this, is that every time my, my, my mom prayed me through, she, she believed, she trusted. I want you to know something, is that these people begged Jesus, God, would you just touch her? Would you just, I'm grateful for the people in my life that begged Jesus to touch me. The Bible says he stood over her. I need you to know that he's close. When you're going through something, Jesus is right there. The Bible says he stood over her, and and check this out, and he what? Come on, speak it. What's that word? He rebuked what? Her? The fever. Now, this is the problem. The word rebuke means correct. See, we, we, we all want to be healed, but ain't nobody want to be corrected. Let me try that again. We all want to be healed. We just don't want anyone telling us what to do. Don't want us to correct your relationship. Don't want you to correct your living. Don't want us to correct how, how you deal with other people. But you want everything to be healed. You just don't want to be corrected. You see, correction brings healing. Rebuking brings healing. I thank God for the people in my life that, that love me enough to say, you're blowing it. So that love me enough to confront my situation, say, you're getting off course. You see, we have to empower people, but empowering people sometimes mean you got to correct them. Got to love you enough to correct. Listen, I am not going to love your butt to hell. Say it again, Pastor. I'm not going to love you to hell because I am responsible for every person that sits in these pews. They call them pews for a reason. Some of you get. What, what happens? She got up. She, she, after Jesus rebuked it, she got up. Someone say she got up. I want you to know your season of get up is here. You are about to walk into a time of getting up. You are about to walk into a time of standing up, of rising up, of getting over. Some of you feel like you have just been beat down, that you can't get up anymore. I'm here to tell you, your season of get up is here. Somebody say amen. And then what does she do? She served them. Listen, you're not healed to sit. Oh, look at me. Wow. I'm I'm healed. You're healed to serve. She's healed and she gets up and she goes to service. That word service in the Greek is diakonia. That's where we get the word deacon from. And deacon was never meant to be just people that determined or were ushers in the church that, you know, slapped you when you got out of line. The deacons were, that that came from a root word that meant dusters. That they were so busy serving tables that they kicked up dust behind them. 
They were so busy helping people, so busy helping out and taking care of people that they stirred up dust. I want you to know that CWC needs deacons. It needs people that are stirring up dust, that are helping people out, that are taking care of issues, that are meeting people's needs, that are showing the way for people. See, I want you to understand that empowering goes along with something. We're, we're, we're trying to, we're, we're healing people, but then we're just leaving them there. And I want, wanted to share this as we close this morning. In fact, uh, Omaha, if you could just help me. I just want some music in the back of this because I'm, I'm going to need some help on this. First service just kind of stared at me a bit, okay? Because th- this, goes, th- this goes a little, little beyond. J- just just uh, Omaha right now. We'll have the rest of the team come up in a few. But I want you to see this. Acts 1.8. Everyone say empowering. empowering. It says this, but I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled. Someone say filled. filled. With power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and the distant providences, even to the remotest parts of the earth. I'm not going to take time to teach on that. because There's so much to teach from from there. But that word power, everyone say power. power. It says you shall receive power. The number one need of humanity today is power. And if I asked every one of you right now, what, what do you want more than anything else? You might say money, you might say a house, you might say your own business. But what you're really telling me is you want power. Because the greatest need in humanity is power. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, they didn't lose heaven. They lost dominion, power. And the one thing we all want is we want to be able to pay our bills, right? We, we want to be able to make our own choices, right? We want to be able to live in a nice place without having to be taken advantage of, right? You don't want people telling you what to do. What you want is power. And God created us for dominion. He created you to rule, not be ruled. He created you to administrate your surroundings, not be ruled by them. But there's a problem that rose up. That word dunamis, and the, the root word, what does that root word look like when it when it Looks like what? Dynamite. That's where we get the word dynamite from. You shall receive explosion. Now, I can hold a stick of dynamite. I can even throw it to my brother. He can put it in his pocket. He can put it in his mouth. He could twirl it around like a drumstick. Because that dynamite is only potential. It's not until that stick is ignited. And that stick of dynamite represents every Christian. It represents every believer. That you were created with great potential. But not enough of us have ignited it yet. You have potential that's in your hand. You have explosion. Now, once that stick is lit, you better not try to hold it. Better not try to put it in your teeth. And you can do everything you want. You can sit on it. You can hold it tight and say, I'm not going to let you explode. And so your surroundings tell you, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you heal your marriage. I'm not going to let you get out of debt. I'm not going to allow you to receive and, and reach your destiny. But when you have been lit... Nothing 
Not all the forces of hell could keep back the explosion when it takes place. What am I telling you today? I'm here to get you to understand that power was promised by God. Not power to say, hey, look at me. Look how powerful I am. But to be a witness to the world, to show the world how great God is. See, the cross wasn't just about restoring our relationship with God. It was about restoring power to mankind, dominion. But this comes through two experiences that I want to share as we close this morning. See, there's a difference between what we call the dwelling, everyone say dwelling, and the infilling. Everyone say infilling. They're they're two different things. The moment you said the prayer and said, Jesus, I want you in my heart, you experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He, he, according to, to, to the word of God, that word dwelling literally means to reside, to make residence. God moved in, baby. When you said, God, come into my life, God moved in. He, he, he came right in. Come on, church. He, he came right in, which means this. When God moved in, God made his residence work. God come into my heart, and God came in. And so wherever I go, God's with me. So you, you, are, you are eight years old when you said the prayer, when you accepted Christ into your life. God's with you. He's with you. But, but the problem is this. God may be with you, but he might not be all the way in control inside of you. So, so we have him with us. But when I go to the club, guess who I'm taking with me? When I talk to that honey, hey girl, what's up? You know what would look good on you? Me. That when I start, I'm making God an unwilling participant in my decisions. Uh, you, you ain't, you ain't, you're not hearing me. Because a faith that's not a priority is not a faith that's productive. So I have a dwelling. God, God's with me. But we've gotten to the point that we're able to shut them off. Hey, man. Come on. Come at me, bro. Catch me outside. How about that? But we, 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 there, there's, there, there's, there's a difference, okay? But when we talk, look at 1 John 4, 13. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. So the spirit's in us. That, that's dwelling. But there's another level that we read in Acts 2, 4 where he says it's called the filling. And the, to full, to, to be full, to make full, to furnish, to fill. And everyone present was, everyone say filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other languages. Now, we get caught up in speaking in tongues. I'm not talking about, I'm not looking for you to start walking around. My question is this. You got people talking in tongues that gossip just as much. There's an evidence that you're filled when the presence of God dwells in you. We we have God in us, but the feeling comes where now it's no longer I'm the one leading, but now he's leading. 
You see, when I'm just dwelling with God, God goes where I tell him to go. But when I'm filled with the presence of God, I go where the Spirit of God tells me. Uh, We got too many Christians that are telling God where to go. Do this, do that. Instead of Christians that are following where God's leading. We need to be people that are filled. Somebody say filled. Thank you. See, that, that's a, how do I know that? Because how many of us have ever looked at someone that, you know, you go to church and at work, so you say, oh, what did you do yesterday? I went to church. Oh, you go to church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, go to, I, I went yesterday and so forth. Enjoyed it. It's pretty cool. They had this short guy that was yelling a lot out there. And, uh, well, I go to church too. Really? You serve God? What, what they're saying is, you might have the dwelling, you just don't have the feeling. A lot of people say they know God, but we need more people that are filled with God. See, worship team, if you could come join us, we, we need to be filled. But let me, let me, let me. We, we need more of God. Let me, let me rephrase that. I need more of God. I want more of God. I'm not okay with me telling where God to go. I'm not okay with going where I want to go and then asking God to somehow bless that. I want the Spirit of God to, to, to be in me. So how many of you eat one meal at the beginning of the week and then don't have another meal until next Sunday? I want to meet you. How many of you, when you bought your new car, filled it up, but you never had to fill it up again? Or charge it? I want to, I want to meet you. Because there's a principle you got to be filled in order to operate at your optimum. 1201, Pastor Matt's body shuts down. My stomach's eating itself. Because he has to eat. It used to be at 12, now it's 1130. It's kind of moving up. If we have to refill our bodies, what do you think you have to do to your spirit? We're starving our spirit. We need more of God. We need to be filled with more of God. I'm here to tell you that it's time for us to become a place where people that are filled with the presence of God, that more than I want success, I want God. More than I want money, I want God. More than I want a family, I want God. Why? When I get God, I get all those other things. Get it in order. Get filled. I need more of you, God. I want more of you. I don't understand. How do you expect to build a life without God? How do you expect to build a marriage without God? How do you expect to build a business without God? How do you expect to get out of debt without God? How do you expect to get in health without God? How do you expect to transform a community without God? 
How do you expect to live your life or become a mom or dad without the presence of God? How do you expect to get an education without the presence of God? Wisdom comes from his presence. And you're trying to learn without the greatest source of wisdom around? Stand to your feet with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.